0: The path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Colonel lust. It's on things like Working that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual.
1: And... <laughs> <cost>. <laughs> She's actually sitting in the cauldron. The role of the witch is to make change. Ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world following magic and spirit. Now they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living
2: as
0: a witch in today's world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Hillary, I'm your host today, and I'm joined by Courtney. Hey, and Kanani. Hello. So today we have Courtney, who's going to be giving us some advice on what to do when your dog eats your magical supplies. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know know about that. Kanani is going to review Ever After, and we have our amazing guest, Jenna Green, a.k.a. The Green Lady, and she's coming on the show to talk about her music and making magic with music in general. So we are very excited for today's episode. How is everyone doing? Um, well,
2: we, my daughter is officially out of quarantine. So ironically, she's the best of the bunch because, uh, you don't really need to worry about her getting it again. So at this point we are just waiting. Uh, we have, uh, 14 days to wait. Um, we've already started that, but for the rest of the family, to make sure that none of us start showing symptoms or that we have it. And so now we're doing our quarantine period. And then we can hopefully, before September, officially leave our house, we will have actually been housebound almost the entire month of August.
1: Wow, that's, that's
2: a lot. It's, it's a lot, but it's all headed in the right
0: direction. So I'm very Excellent. grateful for that. That is great news. What else have I been doing? Um, melting. We've, it's been hot recently. Yeah, um, and I, I did a cool. Those of you that um, follow our Instagram, um, uh, about a week ago, I did a cool um, candle uh, c- candle spell class, like a uh, prosperity candle class. A good friend of mine does candle magic, and she makes really powerful spell candles, and she was like. Hey, I'm going to do some classes and I wanted to support her. And it was really good. It was really fun. Um, She sends you a kit with like the candle, a tool to carve it with, to put sigils on it. She has sigils that she recommends, but like you can also make your own or alter it however you want. And then she has oil that she soaks in herbs and then it's like soak under the moon in the moonlight and then strain. So it's like moon oil. And then glitter that's been charged as well, gold that you like rub into the candle, and so it comes out like a green candle with the sigil carvings all absorb the gold, um, and so it looks really cool. And it was it was fun to do. Plus, it was just really good to see her. She's great, um, and uh, her stop shop is called Maiden Wax Magic. Um, and I tagged her in that Instagram post, but we can also post about her. But she's great. Her name is Ashley. She's yeah, super gorgeous. I know they're really cool. And it's nice because like, I have, I mean, I love her candles just because I think they're so pretty, but I mean, like, I didn't know, like when I treat, like when I've carved sigils and this stuff, I haven't like, you know, I've just like carved it in there as an intention. Um, but learning how to make, you know, how to like get it so that this like fine gold dust basically like sticks in there was really cool. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, I was like covered in glitter later. But, uh, but it was, <laughs> but it was really fun. And plus it was fun. And there was like a couple other people I knew on the zoom call. So it was fun. And the, and the she had a cool class setup, So she had like a camera on her and another camera on her hand. So you could see what she was doing and she's going to do more. She's doing, I think she has two more, um, one or two more, uh, prosperity candle classes. And then she's going to do a ward candle for protection and like something else. I can't remember. um, but she, yeah, she has a bunch of different stuff. She's really cool. So that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, it's been really hot. So I've been trying to, like, make sure the plants survive. Um, so I've been, like, up <laughs> early, early morning trying to give them water before it gets hot so they don't get sun scald. And one of my plants has a fungus that I'm trying to treat. So, it's, you know, it's been a lot of plant plant happenings. But that's the life of trying to, like, grow many things at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, So, Courtney, you have. Well, first of all, I love your dog. He has excellent taste in magical books um, and apparently in something else now, too.
1: So, we had the nerve to leave him alone for an hour and a half. And I came home and he had eaten my go to tarot deck. And. This, so it is the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which, uh, you know, is, is what a lot of people learn from. and is what has influenced a lot of the tarot decks that are out there now. A lot of people don't like it because it's very white, very, um, you know, binary. It's not, it's not particularly interesting in many ways, but there's also a lot of um, interesting symbolism. But anyway, people are all over the place as to whether they like this deck. So I got it when I was doing a lot of readings at parties and in burlesque clubs and things in New York city, because I needed a deck that I could, that I knew the symbols well and could read from easily that perhaps my clients might've seen in the movies, which would make them excited. Like, Ooh, I've seen that card before, you know? Um, And, but I also, I I had some decks that are very deeply sentimental to me that I didn't want to bring to clubs and get beer on them or anything. So I just took this deck and was like, Hey, I'm not going to be heartbroken if um I lose one of these or if it gets damaged. But it became my go-to deck because we went to all these adventures together and I traveled with it and I, you know, I w- was reading in all these really interesting environments. And so it's it's had, you know, it's it's read for probably a thousand people at this point. And um, you know, it was it was my ride or die deck, and I foolishly left it out on the kitchen table and you know, wasn't thinking through like if my husband wasn't gonna be home later. I mean, those are things you have to think about when you have a very large neurotic dog and um Ichabod got a hold of it, and there are now giant teeth holes in about half the cards. And I just sat there and I just cried, you know, and having mixed feelings because sometimes that's a magical tool's way of telling you that it's it's time to retire. You know, not every tool has a permanent. Um, is going to be with you forever. And maybe it's a sign. So I'm taking this. It could be a sign that my spiritual journey is about to take a turn or my relationship with tarot is about to turn. Or, um, or maybe it's just that this deck has, has done its last reading. This poor um, deck
0: is like, can I retire though? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I sat with it and was asking it like, what do you want now? Do you want to be do you want me to keep reading with you? It'll be harder to shuffle you and I'll probably need to just read for people. You know, it's, it's just, it's not a very professional looking deck anymore, but when I'm, you know, reading for email or by phone, it's okay. Um, how do people, you know, how does the deck feel about that? Um, and, or, you know, something about you that you can do with tarot decks. If you say lose a card along the way, or if you, um, you know, if you don't, um, if if it gets damaged or something like that, or it gets to a point where it's too old, um, you can recommission it as spell work, you know, the different cards, the images are so clear about certain situations. Um, You know, they depict protection, they they depict prosperity, or love or sex or, um, or, you know, grief or things. So whether you're trying to bring one of those things in or you're trying to release one of those things. If you've had a lot of stress, there are cards that literally represent stress. So you can do burning rituals with those cards to say, I need to reduce my stress. And so here I'm literally doing that. And so that's the other thing that I was asking the tarot was like, do you want to stay with me and become a, um, you know, a spellcraft deck and I got yeses on all of these things. So I feel like the deck that wasn't really sure, but I thought maybe now, the three of us together could work with it and I can pull some cards to see if maybe you guys can help me figure out what this deck wants. Yeah. What do you say? Into it. Uh, Yes. All right. So, okay, dude, I first of all, I'm really sorry um, that I left you out and where you were going to, you know, you were vulnerable to damage. Um, So, and you've also been a friend to us here on the show. So I think it makes sense that we're having this conversation here. You know, you, you have pulled cards, for our, our listeners. I said, tell me what you want to be now. Okay, I got the Wheel of Fortune, which um, which that card often represents change. So I'm gathering that this may not want to be a reading deck anymore. No,
0: I don't get that it is either. So when when you were telling me about it earlier, um, yeah, I mean, I like... It didn't feel like it was, it was, it wanted to continue on the same path, but it didn't feel like it wanted to be like completely out of commission, not doing anything either.
1: Yeah. Cause wheel of fortune is not about stopping. It's about changing direction or moving forward. Yeah. You know, um, but now I want to pull a card. Do you want to be a spellcraft, a, an instrument of spellcraft? i got judgment in reverse, which to me says it hasn't made up its mind yet. Yeah. I don't think it's,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's not a decisive answer.
1: No, it's just saying, no, it hasn't decided. Okay. So what can I do for you right now? I get the three of wands in reverse. So the three of wands is typically a card that's like looking off into the future But when it's in reverse, I I just don't think this card, this deck is ready to make a decision about its next incarnation.
0: Is there a place Um, you can put this deck to kind of... I mean, it probably suffered some trauma. It's like, it's like, I'm still traumatized. I'm not ready yet.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is like, I just pulled another card. This is like the fifth time I've gotten the five of wands, which is all the sticks, the people hitting each other with sticks.
0: Yeah. So I would say, is there a place on an altar or somewhere in your house that you could put it where it would be able to kind of just chill out until it can make a decision?
1: Totally. I mean, I've got my personal altar, yeah, um, which I is just, funny. It it's, it's funny. It may be doing me a favor. Cause like I wouldn't go near my personal altar after like for the last month, I was like, Nope, 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 won't go. And so in a way it's almost like the first time I went back was to put my deck on it, you know, as a place to rest. And so it almost seems like it's, it's in some ways it's bringing me back to what I,
0: it sacrificed itself so that you would tend to your personal altar.
1: Oh, so attend to my shit. Get to, you know, I give, I give myself to your dog so that you can get your, deal guys with your shit
0: together.
1: A friend. That's a true friend. Neither one of you would do that to me. So, I mean, I would feed you to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I would feed you to Hillary's dog. <laughs> well, this is great. You know, Hillary's helping me try to figure out my tarot reading.
0: Kanani's silent. And she said, no, no. I would feed you to Hillary's dog. <laughs> great. So Kanani, speaking of Kanani, uh, this, is, this comes to our favorite part, or our, our list, one of our listeners' favorite parts. Uh, Kanani reviews a movie that the rest of the world has already seen. So today, Kanani is reviewing Ever After, and we heard what your daughter loved about it, or that your daughter loved it. What did you think? I'm afraid. So, actually, I loved the movie.
2: Um, it helps that I'm a huge Drew Barrymore fan. So I absolutely loved it. Um, I loved the, the premise of it, that it was kind of an ancestor of the cinder girl telling the story of, of her, her familial story of, of what actually happened. Um, my favorite part actually, and I don't know what year this movie was made, but it was very, uh, it was very cool. Cause I think this was, wasn't this like a nineties or 2000 movie? It was like 97, I think. So very nice. Yeah. So yeah. What was very cool was the very end where he comes to rescue her and she's already rescued herself. And I loved that. I thought that that's just not something that you see in a lot of movies back then where, you know, it was, you know, the damsel in distress and the prince has to come and save the girl. And in this case, she'd already saved herself. And she. Spoiler alert, yeah. he saved herself. And, um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I, from start to finish, I thought it was really good. Uh, the characters, uh, Angelica Houston, of course, is fabulous, and Drew Barrymore. And, but I love the plot line. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, when they take old fairy tales and stories and kind of give them a twist. I've always been a huge fan of that. So, I, I, I loved it. I thought it was wonderful, and I was excited to be able to watch it with my daughter.
1: Well, it's essentially is a Cinderella story, which is why it's it's not really a witchcraft movie, but it does have Angelica Houston in it, and it's Cinderella. So I like that. I've always appreciated the approach that it had, where it it where the the real magic is science and belief in yourself. Yes, and I love that as well.
2: That it there was no fairy godmother. That instead it was it was exactly it was science, and it was. Just you know, a woman's ability to use her own power to you know manifest the reality she's looking for.
1: Yeah, and the the, uh, the fairy godmother was like actually Leonardo da Vinci. Yes, who was just super. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, amazing.
0: Who an amazing uh, analogy. And actually,
2: actually, uh, Soleil just finished watching the movie, and I snagged her and told her that we wanted a Soleil movie review. So, tell me, what did you think of, or tell everyone, what did you think of the movie Ever After?
1: It was a good movie.
0: What did you like about it?
1: Um, That the girl
2: was very, like, strong, and I just remember her from a movie, and I just like her character. She remembers, this is really funny. She knows Drew Barrymore... I don't know if either of you have seen this movie from the Adam Sandler movie blended.
1: I know. Have I haven't seen, blended, but I've seen a bunch of Barrymore Adam Sandler
2: flicks. It's a hilarious, like family comedy. And that, and, and I, you know, I knew Drew Barrymore from a million things. So when I saw her, you know, she, she looks at me and she goes, that's that lady from the movie, you know, which is a movie she made, you know, 20 years after ever after, but I thought it was pretty hilarious. That that's, how she knows Drew also Barrymore another, is um,
1: um, is that girl. Oh, and
2: she Adams recognized is. Angelica Houston from Morticia Adams.
1: Hi. Yes. That's that's that, that is the great link here. Yeah. Cinderella is one thing, but, but Angelica Houston, <laughs> that makes it a witchcraft movie. Yeah, She's like, mom, that's Morticia. You're like, honey, I'm Morticia. You're like,
0: <laughs> you're like, that's my name though. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you liked it.
2: All right. She's scurrying off.
0: I'm glad you liked it too.
2: I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, well,
1: was we, we gave you a break watching, having you watch a movie that we knew you would like. And then as soon as you're out of quarantine, you have to watch Return to Oz. <sighs> <Yep>. That's
0: <laughs> the next one. It's awful. <laughs> so I wanted to take a moment to give a huge shout out to all of our Patreon and coffee and Etsy supporters. Um, Yes. They've been amazing. Uh, Those of you that have listened to the podcast, we are are on Patreon. Um, You can subscribe subscribe for as little as $1 a month. There are many different tiers with many different goodies. Uh, And there's lots of fun content on there. Recently, Courtney uh, posted about a scary ghost story.
1: It's one of my... My most beloved uh, uh, ghost stories, and we have a personal connection to it because my grandmother's friend believes that this ghost came to visit her. And um, as we all learned from this story, do not break your promise to ghosts, and do not let your husband talk you into breaking a promise to a ghost, because then you're going to have problems. That's what we learned.
0: You need to respect the the agreement that you have with the dead. I don't know. I don't know that I thought it was a scary story as
2: much as I just thought it was like a badass, I loved it story.
0: Even yeah, for a little kid. That's yeah,
2: scary. but for a kid, I know, and that's the thing, is it's like Yeah, it's both stories don't really scare me anymore, but at the same time it was just like that's a
1: badass story. I love that story. Yeah, well, at this point we have all had encounters with spirits that are pretty freaking gnarly. And so we're kinda like, okay, that's just a that's just a, a flip in the the thing, but I don't know. I mean, it might be the kind of thing you listen to. If you've got small ones at home, you might want to listen to it first before you play it to them, but I loved it because like Hillary texted me immediately after listening to it, like, oh my god, I love that story! Oh my god, what was wrong with that woman's husband? Didn't she know that Alice was going to get pissed and ruin everything? Like... <laughs>
2: I loved it. it was so I, literally,
0: I was like, there's no way that I would let some dude talk me into doing, to like to doing that. Breaking like there the, is no the way I'd be like, is a bad idea. I'd be like, you need to shut up and deal with this. You need to just cope. We're not not discussing this I'm before. coping
2: right now. <laughs> speaking, speaking of like kids stuff um, and like ghost stories and just like having what kids watch and stuff like that. I actually, uh, and we'll post this on Facebook uh, tomorrow, I actually saw an amazing article that said that the Disney show, The Owl House, that my children are obsessed with and love, have now watched each episode probably twice. And they reviewed uh, it for us. And they reviewed it for us. And so everyone in this house loves that show, that the creator of the show has confirmed that the star of the show, Luz,
1: is going to be uh Disney's first bisexual lead character. Wait a minute. We all know it was Elsa. Or at least Elsa was a lesbian.
2: I don't yeah, I don't think that if they were to go that route with Elsa, I think she'd just be a lesbian. But no, Luce is gonna be uh their first official bisexual lead character, which I just thought was freaking awesome because I already love this I already love the show. I already love the show. I already love the premise of the show. There is a show that my daughter likes on Disney where one of the characters had come out as gay. So I know that they've um, incorporated some of that. I think, uh, so it's not their first um, person on the, in LGBTQ uh, plus community, but I think it's the first um, official bisexual character. And I just thought that was awesome. I just thought that's so cool. Totally. Um, And that I think it's kind of a good fit for the show. Because the premise of the show is, is, you know, already kind of female empowerment, and it's okay to be different, and it's okay to be who you are, and everyone should be accepted for who they are. So I think that the premise just blends beautifully with the show anyway. Um, And if you're, like, super uptight with a giant stick in your ass, you're probably not going to be watching The All House. Yeah, but that
0: person probably is not going to be listening to this podcast. Let's be real.
2: Exactly. So I, anyways, I just thought I would share that for anyone whose kids watch that, or if your kids haven't gotten into it yet, Uh, it's really it's a cute cartoon. It's on the Disney Channel. It's called The Owl House, and apparently that is going to be Disney's first bisexual
0: lead character. So I thought that was very cool. That's so great. So I'd love to welcome our guest today, Jenna Green. Jenna Green, or the Green Lady, is a weaver of musical myth and magic. With a voice that is both ethereal and soulful, she sings of ancient lore, finding wonder, and following dreams. She beautifully interfaces her Celtic, world folk, and New Age influences to create a presentation of haunting ballads, drum-driven dance tunes, lilting harp, and mythic story. In 2019, Jenna was nominated for an Emmy In the category of film composer for her work on the short film The Woodland Alchemy. She has released five albums and is working on a sixth entitled Deeper Waters, a dark and dreamy collection of original mythic songs that explore shadow work and the element of water. You can find Jenna performing at Celtic cultural, fairy, goddess, renaissance, natural living, and holistic healing festivals. She also performs for weddings and other special occasions. When Jenna is not performing, she teaches workshops on the healing powers of music and myth. She is also a a visual artist and costumer. Her newest passion is embodying various, various goddesses through cosplay, representing curvy women. I love it. Jenna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much.
1: I'm so excited. This has been something and like we've been planning for a year. And it's just as I I listened to Jenna's music when I was living in New York City and that was my subway music. I would listen so I'd be in this this, you know, the subway can be pretty nasty. It's also the underworld which has its own magic. But then I would have this this mythic muse in my ear the entire time guiding me through the subway tunnels t- here talking about um, the spirits of the forest and the flute and the harp and I would just come out completely reborn and so then I was like when I finally got to meet Jenna I was just telling her I said I and I fell in love with her person as much as I love her music and so I was like Jenna please come on my podcast my friends are really nice to everyone but me I promise they will be really nice to you too and so come on the show and she was like yeah I love to. We finally made it happen. So I am excited and cannot believe I'm letting Hillary lead the interview, which was dumb on my part. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally, she's brought it up like 500 times already. You're
1: having a Kanani moment, okay? I, I am. I'm acting like Kanani this episode. This is really I was, bad. I was actually in the
2: living room uh, when you would kind of sent us some of the tracks, and we're like, you really need to listen to a bunch of her stuff. And so I was pulling her up on Spotify, and I had been listening to it for a while, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this music. And my... Husband comes out and he's like, that's really cool. What is that? And I'm like, oh, it's this, this artist. And we get to talk to her on the podcast. And he was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, and I, and I think I've heard that like, sometimes she sings at weddings. When I get married again, I'm totally going to have her sing at my wedding.
0: Oh, thank you. I'd love to. Well, the husband <laughs> wasn't excited, but I was excited. My husband wasn't thrilled. My husband was, he's like,
2: what the hell? And I was like, was like it's beautiful. When <laughs> oh, so I'm you like that wedding? to
1: your husband. Yes. <laughs> Jenna, she almost she almost disinvited her husband to their own wedding because he complained about the color of the invitations, and she said, "You know what? You might not get one." That's exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> like you oh just sit god. here and hope that you get one. Oh my god! <laughs> but you know, you, you just reviewed, renewed your vows. Why don't you renew your vows in another five
3: years and have Jenna come out and play the harp? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than getting divorced and the whole thing, that would be messy. So
0: yeah, have don't, to do don't do that. Don't I'm going
3: to
2: have to figure out when five more years will be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Jenna, this, we'll start with the question that we ask all of our guests. When did you first realize you were a witch or a magical person?
3: Um, You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that question today, just in case you asked me. <laughs> um, I... I, I grew up, I, I've always been a spiritual person. Um, I I got that from my grandmother. Um, I grew up in a Baptist family, and my grandmother was very, very devoted, um, not just to the spirituality, but also to spiritual music. So I think that that was really my foundation. Um, and when I was 16, I had some weird things happen where I realized that, um, hmm, uh, this, this uh, environment doesn't support women as... Much as I would like it to, and at that point, I went in the polar opposite direction and started finding goddess religions and um, I had uh, I grew up on the South Shore of Massachusetts and there was a Wiccan family um, that I knew of, and a couple of my other really close friends were starting to learn from that family so I started exploring kind of in my own town in my own area and then um, just on a fluke, I didn't. Um, I ended up dating a person when I was about 18 years old who was in this role playing group, this live action role playing group. Um, but really, everyone in the live action role playing group was pagan or some sort of witch or druid. Um, that they weren't just playing this, that they were all people who were seeking a magical life. Um, and I learned a lot within that group, and I was about 18 at that time. Um, and then I started uh getting introduced. My very first magical book was Um Guide for the Solitary Practitioner by Scott Cunningham. Yep. And um, so many of us. So yeah. many of us. And so I started uh I started my solitary practice around 1819. Um, but then I joined various groups uh throughout my adult years. Um and I just kept going and growing and, and taking all these different traditions and weaving them together. Um, and now I just have this eclectic mush of (laughs) beautiful things that I'm inspired by. Um, that's not the most poetic way to say that. Uh, but actually
1: I think that's really delightful and really to the point, like a beautiful mush. (laughs) It's a beautiful. I'm actually agree. I love that. So, yeah, that's that's poetry honestly right there. I love
0: that. So, what so when did were you introduced to music early? Did was this something that was part of your life from the beginning um or when did you kind of when did music become a significant part of your life? Spiritual
3: music became a part of my life around 10. Um Around ten years old, I joined my church choir, and then at twelve years old, I was old enough to join my um, the group choirs in school. Um, and I I went to I was in a town that was uh, very supportive of music, um, so I was able to continue with my music studies all the way up until I graduated from high school. Um, so music was was always from ten years old; it was always a part of my life. Um, I was asked to be a soloist very young um that 10 years old in my church I was asked to be a soloist and then I was asked to be a soloist at 12 when I joined the choirs in school um and I think at that time I didn't think of music as my calling but as I did it more and more I realized how much I enjoyed it and then um when I was about 14 15 um I was horrifically bullied and I realized that um writing songs and singing those songs and kind of using that as a way to channel my emotions was was a really powerful kind of medicine for me um and so that started my songwriting so you know (laughs) I look back now and I say you know thank the goddess for those bullies because if they hadn't been in my life I wouldn't have had this you know overpowering emotion that I needed to channel somewhere and if I hadn't had that background of spiritual music from The church that my family was a part of I wouldn't have known to kind of uh funnel it in that way um so that's where it all kind of started that's where my roots were um and then I kind of put it aside um throughout my 20s and at 27 I had my daughter and I realized that just music was far more a part of me um than I thought it was and I had all these songs within me I had written I think at the time my daughter was born I had written a couple hundred songs already and um and singing brought me such joy and I had kind of put it on the back burner and I remember just holding my daughter when she was little and looking at her and saying, you know, how can I tell this little guy, you know, I really believe in in magic and the magic of dreams and the wonders in life. And how can I teach my daughter to believe in her dreams and go after her dreams when I'm not going after my own? And it was actually her birth that caused me to then start to birth my music. Um, That was the the huge uh, uh, stepping stone to that. Oh my God. That's beautiful. That's
0: so beautiful. I think, you know, it's that's something that I know I have certainly had those moments as an artist myself, where it's like, you start to deprioritize your, your art for life, right? You're like, well, but I need to like do all these practical things because that's what society tells us we need to do. Right. We should, we should have practical jobs and we should do practical things. And I think so many artists and musicians go through that where they like, they have this reawakening of their art where it's like, wait a minute. I like, I, this is something I love and why am I not doing it? Like, why, why can't this be a part of my life? Why am I saying I have to go all one way or the other
3: right and and we're we're trained especially in this country we are trained that artists are starving artists that you cannot be a successful artist and that gets stuck in your subconscious and yeah. so it's like i'm going to be an artist but i need something else to make me secure um and so then there there becomes this Push and pull in your life. Um, and I know that's something I really struggle with, and even more struggle with that push and pull um, for security and creativity because I'm a single mother. Um, and I've just, this pandemic has really kicked my butt and really made me refocus and look at my priorities and just realize um, and really just kind of make a statement to myself that. This music is not just music. This music is not just art or creativity. This music is medicine. And I need this music to be medicine for myself. And I need it to be medicine for this very broken, crazy, upside down world. Um, And no matter what judgments I have toward myself, no matter how much I'm afraid to be judged, no matter how much I'm afraid of um, financial insecurity, That this needs to be done, that everybody has, um, I really strongly believe I, I I was taught this as a child in the Christian church and I've been taught it even more in the pagan world that everybody has a gift to bring to the table to heal this world. Everybody has something a little different. And even if there's 20 musicians in the room, every one of those sings a different way. The musicians, they sing a different way. They write a different way. They're going to reach a different audience. We all have a little something different and a little something special to bring. And we've all got to bring our medicine
0: right now. For sure. I think that's so true. And I think, too, it's like, it. I think it's a really good reminder that, like, You know, I I often find myself getting into this with, like, music, with magic, with anything that isn't that thing that I've been told, like, that I should be doing, right? Um, Is that, like, we, unfortunately, as artists, often tell ourselves that, you know there's only the success only looks like one thing. Like there's only one type of success. Like it's like, well, if you're not uploaded with money, you know, as a famous person, as an artist, as a musician that you haven't made it. And I just think that's garbage. Right. right. Um, right. And I think and also,
1: it, there's the sense of that. You have to have a substance abuse problem. You have to have a failed relationships. You have to be a miserable person. Now those things do happen along the course of your life, but it does not mean that in order to be an artist, you have to suffer. Totally.
0: I think that we tell artists, creators, people that are, the people that are making this, this, what like feeds our souls, visual art, physical art, musical art, performance art. We tell them that like, okay, like success only looks like you're making a lot of money only doing, you know, the thing you want to do that you, I mean, and it's like, okay, but that's not, I mean, that's not been what, I mean, that is what I fought with for a long time. And same with magic, telling myself that, like, if it didn't look like this, then I wasn't successful. And then I realized I was like, okay, well, that's just – I'm just, like, basically uh, telling myself that I'm, A, like, doing the opposite of manifesting anything for myself. I'm telling myself that that what – every day I'm telling myself that what I want to do or what's important to me isn't valid unless it's this one way. And I'm like, that's just – I finally learned that that's just not true and that success looks like many different things for many different people. Um, and once I realized that both as a magical practitioner, as a witch and as an artist, like I feel like I opened myself up to so much more creativity and so many more opportunities.
3: Right. And I would say to anybody who, out there, any artist that's feeling that way right now, like you've just described that I'm not attaining success or I can't attain success. I would argue that success in your art, if you have an art that is your passion, is your true calling, that you can find success in that right away. And what you can do is you can sit down in this crazy pandemic with all of your emotions, with all of the crap going on in your head and your heart and your gut and pour that into your art and let it heal you. And that's immediate success. How much that's how much more
0: success can you have than that? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's such a good reminder. Was there, so it sounds like you started with spiritual music early on. Was there a part, um, or, or I guess like at, at, at what how do you, how does magic in in and of itself influence your music, and how does it guide your process in writing? Like what how does that what does that relationship look like?
3: Um, I have I have a silly joke with myself about my process. I love that, <laughs> and oh that name. that whole i the whole idea of my process for me personally, and I think probably a lot of other goddessy artists can um can connect with this is it's really my higher goddess self kicking my everyday self in the ass that's the whole thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's my whole process. Yeah, that's like that's pretty accurate.
1: Some <laughs> <laughs> people call it the muse. Jenna says it's her the upper goddess self
3: kicking her ass. Exactly.
0: Yeah, because it's a very I,
1: real real thing.
3: I find that I'm I'm writing when I'm down on myself, when I'm doubting myself, when I've had something shake me, and I'm starting to lose my faith, and I just need that that little dose of magic, and then I channel into something higher and just let it flow through me and boom, I've got the message that I need.
0: I love that. I think it's like, I think it, I, I agree with that description wholeheartedly. <laughs> Where it's like this like higher part of myself is like, um, <clears throat> hi, you're going to listen to me today. <laughs> it's like, you're going to do this thing. You're going to do it. Uh, I I agree Jenna gracefully gave us uh, Some of her music to share Uh, So we're going to share A couple clips of three of her songs And so we're going to share Some of these throughout the episode And the first one we're going to listen to a clip of Is the Fairy Queen
4: Storm is raining
1: Oh my God. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in
0: love. love. I love, (laughs) love, I love fairy queen. Um, it's, it's just a really, it's, I, it made me happy inside. I was like, yes, this feels really great. Like I'm smiling. Um, tell me a little bit about fairy queen. Uh,
3: fairy queen is one of those songs that I feel like it wrote itself. Um, I really plugged into, All of the different fairs and festivals that I've done and getting in touch with my tribe and uh, doing a lot of work around sovereignty, um, which started with uh, the Morrigan's call in Connecticut several years ago. And since then, I've really been on this whole journey to to find myself, to find my sovereignty. Um, I had gone through a divorce um, and and very, very smartly jumped into a relationship right after that divorce. And my life went into this just chaotic overload. Um, And then coming out of that relationship and officially being a, a single, single mom, not just a single mom, but really single, completely dependent on myself, And having to find my strength, find my bravery, find my goddess self, and who was I without a relationship, Um, which I think a lot of uh, single people, I was going to say women, but also men, really struggle with is after you've been in a relationship for 17 years, and then you get out of that and you're on your own, who am I and how do I find myself again, and um, so a lot of those questions were kind of going through my mind as I was writing Fairy Queen and just trying to to find my strength. And I've always I've always been connected with fairy energy and especially the whole idea of the fairy queen. Um, and my reason for that, and when I, I do fairy presentations, and my reason for that is have you ever heard a story of a fairy queen who had some kind of self-consciousness issue? <laughs> It doesn't happen. No, I have not. <laughs> it doesn't happen. They are just, they are yeah. the ultimate in confidence, in glamour, in getting shit done, in, and just self-empowerment. Um, and I just think that that was such a beautiful symbol to tap into for this song, because to me, they fairy queens are the ultimate in sovereignty.
0: I, uh, that's. Such a good point. I mean, like you, I've never, yeah. They embody just like pure confidence and pure power and pure like unapologetic confidence. You know,
3: right? That's become one of my new favorite words: unapologetic.
0: I love that because,
3: word. <laughs> yeah, especially during this pandemic. Oh, well, I really believe,
1: Jenna, you're channeling something when you do this because. I would say to anyone who's listening who may not be familiar with Jenna Green's work, first of all, get on it. Second of all, that you, um, I feel like this is great music for people to listen to while they're preparing for ritual. That's what I feel like that there's a specific tool you offer people that it, it puts, I mean, cause I used to listen to your music when I was writing rituals for my coven because it would put me in this magical mindset. And so I feel like that this music is a really important tool for people doing the work like whether you're maybe you're going to use it in ritual but if not like get it play it while you're getting ready to do it because it's going to put you in that space. Thank you you. Don't even put Kanani's husband in it, that space.
0: It's actually There's nothing it puts him in that space. It's super true. I mean I listened to Enchantress While I was doing a making a spell candle the other day, I was like, "This is brilliant! Like this is great!" I was like so in the zone. I was like making a prosperity candle, and I just was like there. Yeah, totally set the mood. What? How? So how can a witch? So if a witch is working with magic, how might a witch manifest things through their music? I would
3: say just sit down and and channel. Just open just open just call call your gods goddesses guides however you see the divine call them in ask for their help and Do then just a lot of times I'll sit in ritual and I'll just call in my guides and turn on my phone recorder and just let it roll and there are so many times that I'll just I'll channel so deeply that I'll go back after ritual and I'll listen to what I said or sang and be like I don't remember
0: I don't remember that, but that's exactly the message I needed. When you go into that space, are you focusing on a specific intention? Are you truly just like, I'm here to be a conduit? Or are you, are you looking at, are you coming in with a specific intention? I've
3: usually caused some sort of chaos in my life (laughs) and, um, and I'm, I'm dealing with some Emotions that I can't handle and kind of saying I need to process this. I need to work my way through it. Um, I need an answer. I need to feel happy again. Um, I need to, I need a a fire lit under me. I need, um, you know, I need a kick in the butt. (laughs) Um, Something like that. So I would say I am coming in with an intention or a really powerful emotion.
0: Like you kind of come in with that and then you're open to what manifests within that space.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. And I would add that, um, I've put a new twist on it over the past couple of years. Um, kind of finding out who I am, um, being single, um, after relationships, um, that I'm doing a lot of shadow work. Um, because it takes, I, I believe it takes a lot of bravery to be, single in this world right now um and then add on a pandemic um so I've taken that whole process now and I've added shadow work to it because I've realized that a lot of my magic when I was younger it had to do with just the light and just the positivity and if any negative emotions came up of any anger or sadness or discomfort came up, I would just kind of push it to the side and say my positive affirmations and sprinkle some fairy magic on it and, you know, hope that the problem went away. And, um, and so after, after my breakups and t- kind of finding, trying to find myself again, I realized that you can't just dance around a pro- uh, You can't just dance around a problem you have to go right through it you have to really face your fears um, be honest about who you are be honest about what you're feeling i'm a person who i always want to be nice and i always want to be sweet so i never even experience anger i mean not not even pushing it down i just don't experience it and in doing my shadow work found that that's not healthy um And so I had to learn to process things in a new way, and I started working with Kali for cutting cords and Hela for facing fears and Hecate for um, taking the hard road at the crossroads and um, Frigga, who is not usually a dark goddess, she started coming to me for dark goddess work and and teaching me to um, speak your truth how important it is to speak your truth, to speak up when you need to. Um, and the Morrigan, of course, who I've I've written about several times now, and one of my Morrigan songs is on my Wings album, um, the Morrigan and, and her three aspects are all very important to me. And so she's kind of my, my warrior goddess. She's the one who wakes me up when I need to be woken up and then helps me to move through a battle instead of trying to get around it. Um, so all of this has all of the shadow work has now seeped into my workshops. It's seeped into my songwriting. It's a part of my daily meditation. And I feel that all of a sudden I've now come, I was all in the light work and then I was all in the shadow work. And now when I've come back around to doing the light work, to doing the affirmation type work, um, that I have a whole new understanding of it, that I have a whole new way to be balanced and grounded um, by putting the two together.
0: That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. That shadow work is so hard.
3: Well, there's that, that saying that true healing is knowing yourself. When you know yourself, you can heal. If you don't know yourself, if you don't know what your fears are, if you don't know what your patterns are, if you don't know, um, how you react when you're uncomfortable, then you're going to stay in those cycles. You're going to stay stuck. Um, and so shadow work is really all about getting you unstuck, about seeing, seeing all of you, all the parts of you.
0: So I would love to take a moment to play another song clip. Um, and I'd love to play a clip of Mermaid Song, which I am obsessed with. I love this song. Um, I love the, the like rhythmic pattern of the harp and how simple it is. Right. It's a very, like, it's just, I love music. I really have a, a like a deep appreciation for music that is exposed like that because it's actually really hard vocally too, uh, because you don't have anything, <laughs> you have nothing to hide behind and right. your, your voice just carries in it. And the harp pattern is so beautiful. So I'd love to play a clip of that.
3: Sure. Thank you.
4: I roam with the waves, I journey to the darkest clouds, the shadows, my lantern eyes.
0: you talk to us a little bit about mermaid song? Sure.
3: Um, first and foremost, I want to say that the, um, the songs that everyone is hearing tonight, these are completely rough drafts. Um, they're songs that, um, my band and I, we just kind of, um, introduced, um, they were very new and we were just kind of feeling them out with the audience to see, how people would like them we would we adjust put the arrangements together um and these three songs are going to be on my very next album which is called deeper waters um so these are these are live drafts they're rough drafts they're not the final song um, and so they're they're new um, they're something i've never shared before so this is the first time other than if you were in oh that God. audience um this is the first time that most people will be hearing them um, mermaid song. Oh,
0: thank you. Yes, thank you. What a treat for our listeners.
3: You're and welcome. I- so, mermaid song. Um, I I've always been connected to the ocean. Um, I've always grown up around the ocean, and um working with the element of water was really really important to me again going back to um to ending relationships and trying to find myself i i was looking at what i what i needed to cleanse out of my life doing the shadow work what what did i need to to clear and cleanse and purify out of my life working with water what did i need to calm what did i need to delve deep into um i also love the idea of um the reason that I've called my album deeper waters is inspired by David Bowie, um, who said that, um, creativity is like going into the deeper waters and you're going past your comfort zone. Those, those deeper waters of unconsciousness. And you always want to just step out of your comfort zone in order to create. And you always want to create first for yourself, first to heal yourself and then you bring that to the world. And in that way, between going out of your comfort zone and first healing yourself, um, you're bringing real authenticity in your creativity to the world. And so I just loved that whole idea of the metaphor of going into those deeper waters. And so the mermaid song just worked perfectly with that because it's on the surface, it's about the mythology of a mermaid, but The depths of the song is really about um, the water goddesses, the mother of water, Yemaya, saying, come to me, you are divine, you are it, you are all you seek already. Um, Remember who you are.
0: I use a lot of music in my magic and in ritual. Can you talk to us about how music, the use of music in ritual can enhance magic?
3: Um, I love to describe it as the, I love the word soundscape. Like there's landscape, there's your physical landscape, but then there's the soundscape. And that that soundscape really helps to get you even more to that space between worlds. We talk about when we create a circle, we're standing between worlds, we're in the liminal space. Music helps you to get there. There's just something about the way that it speaks to your soul and it takes you deeper. It takes you deeper, it takes you higher at the same time.
0: I think that's so dead on. I I myself find that if I'm doing ritual, and sometimes I'll do it in silence, but a lot of times for me, like finding music, either creating it for the ritual or finding music that inspires me for the ritual, it really helps me just s- submerge myself in it in a way that I think it's because I'm so connected to music. It's like, I fall into that so much more when, when that soundscape is present. Um, And I think it actually is a great segue into one more clip, uh, which is in the twilight. And I love the opening of this. I mean, I love the whole piece, but the opening with the crickets and the just sounds of nature, that soundscape for me, when I was listening to this song, I was like, It is, I'm already there. By the time you came in, I was already in it because of the soundscape that was there. So I love that you use that to describe, uh, ritual music because I felt it rang so true here. So this is in the twilight. little bit about
3: this song jenna this song is really special to me each song on the album or that's going to be on the album is special to me in a different way um they all came from from some ritual or a bit of magic or transition transformation in my life Um, and this one, um, I was down at a ritual in Pembroke, Massachusetts, um, with a group that's more, um, they're more shamanic than, than witchcraft. Um, and it was a little, um, different than what I was used to, but at the same time, um, the people were my friends. So that part was really familiar. And the part that was overwhelmingly familiar to my heart was that the piece of land, the woods that we were practicing around the fire, that we were honoring the spirits of the land, that that land was close in proximity to, um, to where I grew up and also had the exact same plants, the exact same smell, the exact same feel, the exact same spirits um, of the land that I grew up. And my land, my fairy land does not exist anymore. Um, It was, ruined by a large corporation. It was, um, it's, it's rocks and, and parking lot now. Um, so to stand on the land that is really is connected to the land of my childhood and be doing this ritual, um, and just to feel that, um, that familiarness of the spirits who really Are my friends and family who were my first teachers of witchcraft and to have them say to me um this is all all you're searching for you are all all you're searching for and that kept coming to me and it became the chorus of this song um that message that i needed because i was searching 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 so far outside of myself and they're like just just find it in your heart space
0: That's so beautiful. And your voice just soared. I mean, I don't know. There was something about your voice in this particular song for me that I just felt in such a vulnerable way. And it just was, it was just really beautiful.
3: Thank you. I think I sing. I really sing this. You know, a lot of times musicians are supposed to sing from their gut, but I just really for some reason this song takes me over and I really sing it from my solar plexus. Like my solar plexus is just kind of bursting open when I sing this song because I just feel like I need this reminder so much. And it was such a powerful experience. And I relive that beautiful experience every time I sing this song.
0: That's so beautiful. Mm.
2: I think there's something really primal when you, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, we kind of talked about how it takes you to a, like, a really kind of, it takes you to that place if you listen to music before ritual, but I feel like part of that is because I think there's something so primal about it that you can't help to just kind of find a calm and just feel like suddenly you're, you know, in the middle of a forest.
0: It's true. Like, it transports you, right? It has the ability to just take you away from where you are and just transport you into whatever that particular artist is manifesting. So, you know, when I, it's one of the things, I mean, I love creating music. I love it. It's, it's a huge part of my, uh, I mean, just me as a person, but also my practice and my, and just my soul. It's so much a part of me, but I equally love listening to other artists music because when I'm in mine, I'm like living that experience. It's like what, it's like my, my, like everything that I am experiencing or have experienced is just like bleeding into whatever I'm creating. But when I listen to other artists, especially ones that are really connected emotionally, magically, there's something that happens there where it's like, I get to transport into their world and experience yes. their story in a way that like I can relate to because maybe there are things in there that, um, that remind me of my own story, but that it just, it's like a, it's a relief from life. I mean, that's what art music performance art is. We in that moment get to remove ourselves from our own reality and just be transported into, into a different space for a moment of relief or catharsis or, um, or joy, depending on the piece,
3: right? And and like you were saying, I think that you f- you find even if you're listening to somebody else's music, you find your own story. I think any there there's this there's an old saying um, that any any great art, you're finding your own story within that art. It's not um, it's not about the intention that the creator had for it. It's about how you're interpreting it. And how anyone looking at a piece of art or hearing a piece of music interprets it is correct. And and you tend to, your spirit interprets it in the way that you need it to be interpreted. Mm. Um, I got to meet the... Amazing uh, Scottish singer songwriter Doogie McLean a few years ago um, and he forever changed me in about five minutes he changed my songwriting forever um, because I always felt that I needed to um, I needed to create a story and I needed to explain that story and I needed other people to connect with that story and um, and he sings a song called I Know That She Will Find Me and I got the, a chance to meet him after the concert, and I said, who is she? Who is she? Is she your wife? Is she your grandmother? Is she the goddess? Because I knew he's, he's, a, he's at least a little pagan, probably a lot pagan. And um, I said, who is she? Who is she? I'm dying to know. And he said, it doesn't matter who she is to me. It matters who she is to you you're like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, and I, I never felt the need to explain a story, explain a song, explain the symbolism in a song again, because everybody was going to find what they needed to find.
0: So we, well, actually, before we move on to a listener question, those of you that listen to this music and were as blown away as we are, um, if you happen to be a Patreon follower, there will be some sneak peeks of one or maybe more of these songs in their entirety on our Patreon page. And of course we will let the world know when this album is able to come out because we want to share it because we love it. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, if you're not a Patreon, get on over there so that you can go and listen to this music in its entirety. So we have a listener question and I'm hoping Jenna, you can, um, you can be part of answering this with us. Sure. So this is the listener question and we're paraphrasing this uh, quite a lot because our listener offered a a lot of information in relation to a legal case, which we don't want to share. Um, But the basic premise is that the listener is in a painful custody battle over a small child. The listener sought a psychic reading on this situation who said there is a family curse impacting the, the opposing, the opposing party, including a maternal spirit haunting the opposing party an energy which embedded itself into the child. The reader believes the force is is certainly removable, but that it is up to the listener as to whether you would like to like the energies removed. The reader also said that this family curse is negatively affecting the child, creating a lot of fear in them, and that the opposing party in the in the possession of a piece of the child, such as a lock of hair or a tooth. Um, the reader also thought that there was an evil eye curse on the listener, which is floating around their, their aura. The reader has offered to do a cleansing, some candle magic, a protection spell and a soul retrieval for a price. We at that witch life have connected with the listener privately about this and wanted to talk about this kind of situation on the show.
1: I have so many feelings. See, Jenna's inspired me to write my own songs. <laughs> I have so many feelings about this piece yeah, of shit.
0: I'm a, psychic. I know. I was but I'm going to haul off, and I will come back. <laughs> I love it because Courtney's like, my song was inspired by this shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out those emotions. <laughs> I'm so angry at this person, whoever the fuck they are. Yeah, I... Yeah. I have a lot of feelings about this too. Um, and I'm happy to let whoever wants to go first. Go first. <laughs>
1: Jenna, what do you think? Because, um, you, we like to have hear our guests perspective first, if you're comfortable, if you'd rather not, it's fine. But Jenna, what do you think?
3: Just putting, putting the, the ethics of the psychic aside for a moment. Um, I'm going to say that this, this parent is, is giving away too much of their power. Mm. Um, Either to the psychic, to this supposed curse, to you know the other parent involved, to the to the scariness and overwhelming darkness that a divorce is. Because I've been through it, and it's it's horrifying. Um, but in this situation, I always say, if it were me, I never like to give advice without saying, if it were me. If it were me, if it were my child, I would do an energetic cord cutting, um, removing any energies that do not serve the child's highest good. Um, I don't believe that a parent should need to hire someone, the psychic, anyone, a soul retriever, anyone like that. Um, As long as they have a special parental bond with their child, they don't need to hire anyone else. However, um, I have hired close friends that I trust um, with more priestess experience than I. Um, to help me with cord cutting. Um, And that decision was more about, quote-unquote, hand-holding to get me through the heavy emotions than it was Mm -hmm. about knowledge. Um, So I would definitely recommend having support of people you know rather than paying somebody. Um, I believe that people have more personal power over these things than they realize and that we all have guides that we often forget to ask for help um also speaking from personal experience a divorce is so scary and it can seem overpowering when you're in the middle of it especially when there are children involved um and i i would ponder that you're probably not dealing with an actual curse but maybe the psychic was picking up on a jumble of very uncomfortable energetic ties and crossed boundaries that can feel like a curse um that's that's kind of my take on it um we we have more power than we think we do
0: I think that's so true and I so when I read this I mean it was a lot to take in I was like okay okay but to me and again I don't want to shit talk a reader right someone that I don't know I don't know this psychic but what I see here is someone who's very vulnerable being told something very alarming and then also being told, but don't worry, I can fix this for money. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm not saying that people that are helping you along the way shouldn't, um, like shouldn't be paid again. Like, you know, you might hire someone you trust to help you with something. I mean, I might, um, you know, hire Courtney to do a reading for me or force her to do one, you know, for free. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but put that in there. But the but the thing is, is that there's a there's a there's a part here where I go, you know, on an ethics level. I mean, I I think that's it's very gatekeeping there. Like, well, I know all this information and I can fix it for you. Rather than here are some suggestions you could look at for yourself. I also can help if you if you want help or you could seek out someone close to you with experience it uh, is a, is a, is a less, I mean, I, I would maybe feel less like what the hell if that was the approach, but I feel like it's always a red flag to me when someone's like this reader told me this catastrophic shit and then was like, don't worry, I can save you, but this is what it's going to cost. Right. I will a hundred percent shit talker reader for this. <laughs>
1: of course you will any any opportunity any opportunity here go ahead yeah,
2: i think it's absolute garbage and i'm pretty sure they work for billy graham and that miracle network or whatever it is he has that says you know god can solve your problems just call us to give us your money so we can another learjet
1: and god will save you like it Wow. How to insult a psychic. Say they work for Billy Graham and you have every witch out there going, (gasps) (laughs) And because to me,
2: you know, when you see things, you're going to say them in a normal way. And that's clearly not what this reading was. This reading was clearly to essentially terrify this person to the point that they're going to hand over their wallet. It's so alarming. With no no other option but to hand over their wallet. And to me, it's just when you, and and what's worse is is that this was someone in a very vulnerable place. So they were clearly taking advantage. And And that's not someone who's in right mind enough to have this happen at them and yeah. not see it for what it is and be like um okay only you can fix this thanks bye but also yeah. you just scared the crap out of
0: me
1: I want to jump in on that too because um and I agree with what everybody has said so far um you know just for a little more background uh, I I do think there are curses out there I think they tend to be rare I also have done curse removals for money so I'm not going to go out there and say that it is something that should never be done, but that has to be done at the right time and place. And just like what everybody has said, this is a vulnerable situation. And if somebody came with to me with this, even if I thought there were a curse on the family, I'd be like, we're going to set that aside from now because that's not the immediate thing. It's kind of like you're rushing to the emergency room because you can't breathe, okay? And somebody's sitting there saying... So have you looked at what you might be allergic to in the house? Um, Have you considered that maybe you need to see an asthma specialist? No. At that moment, you need to get the person breathing, whether that's with, um, you know, whether that's with an EpiPen or whatever. And you can figure out that other stuff later. You just got to get them breathing. So if this had been someone who'd come to me, I'm like, we're going to work on this issue of, and I would probably recommend that they call in um, some more mother goddess energy or ancestors, Mm -hmm. especially. Ancestors and say, make this move, move away the obstacles for the best living situation for this child. It's possible that that living situation may end up with the opposing party. But when you when you move the obstacles out of the way and you tell and you say to the gods, this whoever is best to parent this child or whatever situation is best for this child, I'm on board. Very often you're going to find it's going to end up with you because you're already going into that mindset of you want whatever is best for this kid. Not only will that show in your life, it also will show to the, the the judges like I'm just here for the welfare of this kid. Right. Um, and then later you can look and see, is there a curse that's going on? But I think that sometimes when we start to feel like everything is coming at us, we can sometimes create these things ourselves and it's, it's not I would, I personally would have never taken money from someone for a curse removal for the situation. But like, no, no, no. Here's some suggestions, some things you might, maybe a house cleansing that'll give you some clarity of mind, give you some peace of mind, make you feel like you've got some handle on this, but... I think this was an unethical, uh, I, maybe, this, maybe this reader meant well, but they weren't thinking through this well. And so I really had a problem with them saying, give me your money, I'll fix your situation. Here's something scary and alarming. And that's that's not what needs to be. Done, right? I, I'm going to only disagree with the fact that
2: I really can't find I don't believe that this was just someone who maybe meant well and just kind of said it wrong due to the fact that apparently everyone had a curse. She had a curse. The child had a curse.
0: There's curses everywhere. It's just kind of like, the dog has a curse. It's kind of like, mm, no. I also think like when a reader, like if, if someone is giving intuitive information to a client and, and you saw that it was pretty rough what you were seeing, Right. You're not going to be like, actually, it's terrible. So here's the thing. You're cursed. Everybody's cursed. You know, you're, they definitely have like a ch- hair or tooth from your child. They're keeping it and it's bad. And also, like, there's like some spirit that's attached to so the energy is embedded to your. You would be like, okay, so I'm seeing like you would, you would pat it in an appropriate way because you don't do any good by literally terrifying someone. I mean, I'd be who's already I, terrified. Yeah. I mean, you just. I mean even if I mean I would be pissed if someone saw something really serious like I would want them to be honest but tactful you're not going to be like actually everything's terrible you're probably going to die and this is going to happen and you know there's your dog has a curse and you have a curse and everything's terrible and you better you better pay me money so that it's not terrible anymore like what you know and I also feel like at least every reader that I know they would say, here are some suggestions, and then they'd offer services as follow-up if they wanted it, but they wouldn't be like, I can fix it for you by doing these things. Like, why wouldn't they say, you know, one of the things that I could see is, like, here's some candle magic you could use, or have you have you t- thought about doing a cleansing, right? They wouldn't be like, you know, if the person then said, well, I don't know how to do that, or I'd like to hire someone to do that, that's different. Then they're having, like, a back-and-forth Or if the person offered some follow-up, like, you know, I'm here if you want to do another session or you need any advice, you know. But to just be like, to gatekeep like that is offensive. It sounds like we're all in agreement there. Uh, To this poor listener, I'm so sorry that things are rough. Um, You know, I I hope that we we helped by giving you a little insight that, you know, maybe this isn't, I love Courtney's suggestion of, you know, going into it saying, I just really with the intention of, I want what's best for this child. Um, so Jenna, we've just adored having you on and we want to make sure that people can get in touch with you or find you. So I know you're on Spotify. Where else can people find you? Um, My music is on iTunes, CD
3: Baby. Bandcamp is a really great way to support me. Um, If you like the music and you want to buy, Bandcamp is a a great way to support independent artists. Um, I have a website. Um, It's kind of under construction right now, but it will be up very soon. Uh, JennaGreen.net or GreenLadyMusic dot com um both will get you there um i have my patreon.com slash jenna green um what else do i have i have a instagram i have two facebook's uh you can find me on
0: most social media platforms awesome we'll make sure to link all of that too uh in our show notes um so Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or whatever platform that you use. Buy us a coffee. Check out our merch on, Ets- on the Etsy store or join our Patreon. We share bonus content on Patreon frequently. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio trans- transcript, and to ask us a question to future to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Find us at thatwitchlife.com for our going to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future
1: podcast so what it be I just got to say one thing real quick and that I'm um, I'm pretty irritated with the way this all turned out because I've been obsessed with Jenna Green for years and when we discussed having her on the show Kanani was like well music is kind of Hillary's thing I think it'd be a good idea for Hillary to interview her and I'm like <laughs> okay and now i'm having all sorts of, of that's right bitch <laughs> many regrets that keep me awake at three in the morning so
0: yay Thank. should have given up your whole life to learn music and then you could have interviewed her
1: <laughs> gave up my whole life to study witchcraft i mean come on yeah but this is music specific though